Hey there. Uh, welcome to the 50th episode of Comedy Album Book Club. In this episode, we sit down with an amazing bunch of young comedians who I met at Second City. I was joined by Andy Wong, Christine Kay, Justin Anthony, Kenzie Nelligan, and Rosemary Quinlan. Uh, they've all been tearing up the local open mic and bringer show circuit. I've had the pleasure of speaking with a lot of seasoned professionals, and it was a nice change of pace and perspective to hear from some fresh new voices in the industry. In this episode, we talked about an album that has, in retrospect, become infamous. We tackled Louis C.K.'s fourth album, Hilarious. The album was released on January of of 2011 by Comedy Central Records. A recording of his special by the same name, it went on to win the Best Comedy Album category at the 54th Grammy Awards in February of 2012. The hilarious tour began in 2008 in the wake of his special, Chewed Up. CK started building this new set and touring it to culminate in his next HBO special. This holds true to his self-proclaimed challenge of burning his material on an annual basis a continuation of his deep dive into the darker parts of his humanity, this album explored the themes of divorce, happiness, and taking the award for bit that has aged the least well, masturbation. During this tour, CK had, was tapped to record his hit FX series, Louie, picking up on the themes that he was exploring in his ongoing tour. CK wrote an additional hour that went into the show, but he performed it, and instead of going into the special, it was used later on in his series as inserts. Louis C.K., born Louis C.K., to his mother Mary Louise, a software engineer, and his father Louis C.K., an economist. His parents met at Harvard University, where his mother was completing her degree in computer science. The combination of an Irish-American-Michiganian on his mother's side and a mix of Mexican and Hungarian Jewish on his father's side of the family gave CK a unique perspective growing up. In fact, his first language was Spanish, spending his first seven years living in Mexico. From Mexico, he moved to Boston, uh, where he was engulfed in suburban living. His upbringing was far from idyllic. His father and mother divorced, and his father converted to Orthodox Judaism upon remarrying. Raised by a single mother with three sisters, this led to a desire to work in television. He saw the shows his mother watched after long days at work, and he wanted to do something to bring her joy. CK's career spanned the comedy spectrum. A brief stint on Saturday Night Live writing for Robert Smeagol led to a gig at Late Night with Conan O'Brien from 1993 to 1994, and then an even briefer stint on The Late Show with David Letterman in 1995. He then moved to the short-lived Dana Carvey show, where he wrote with Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Robert Smigel, and Charlie Kaufman. One could never accuse CK of being lazy. Between 1984 and 2008, when FX tapped him to create Louie, he wrote for film, Tomorrow Night, and Pootie Tang, Howie Mandel's Sunny Skies, acted Tuna with Nick Offerman, co-wrote Down to Earth and I Think I Love My Wife with Chris Rock, wrote for Cedric the Entertainer Presents, One Night Stand, his first sitcom, the failed Lucky Louie, Opie and Anthony, The Chris Rock Show, and many more credits, all the while touring, doing regular shows in the New York comedy circuit, as well as recording specials and albums. If you were a fan of comedy 
at all between 1985 and 2017, there's a chance that CK had an impact on your life. He partnered with everyone from Chris Rock to Zach Galifianakis and everyone in between. CK's inspirations were as varied as his body of work, from Don Rickles to Carlin, to peers like Sarah Silverman, Amy Poehler, and Patton Oswalt. He mentored a host of comedians, pushing the ideas of truth and comedy and exploring your dark side. He would often explore these dark themes in his work, pulling the most powerful and uncomfortable topics and apparently turning them into powerful and transcendent comedy, or so we thought. He was not without controversy, a capricious and rumored to be mean-spirited man towards those he didn't like or felt had wronged him. In 2017, he faced a reckoning. Throughout his career, there were rumors that Louis C.K. sexually harassed and assaulted multiple women. After the release of an article by the New York Times, C.K. released a public statement admitting to the impropriety towards five separate individuals. Over the years that these events took place, he and his management blacklisted many of these people and often bullied and intimidated people who tried to speak about the accusations publicly. C.K. briefly retreated from the public eye before doing small shows and eventually a world tour. The material that leaked from these performances and the tour is arguably not his finest work, often pandering to the very people he would ridicule in his earlier work. He recently released a special where he very briefly addressed the issue at the end of the episode in a manner that is both dismissive, paints himself as a martyr, and re-victimizes his victims. As always, I recommend you listen to the album before listening to the podcast, but in this case, I beg you, do not buy this album. Discussing this album was a difficult choice. CK, despite his horrible acts, had a tremendous impact on the comedy landscape today and continues to influence young comics. He shaped many young voices, and this is clearly an important album which occurred at a tipping point in his career. The threshold between a hard-working career comedian to the superstar he briefly became, and that is historically important. That said, despite losing several opportunities, CK is still a multi-millionaire. He continues to work and has harvested a boatload of money from his recent direct-to-market special. He is unrepentant, a serial sexual abuser, and he has done little to apologize or atone and in fact belittles his own victims in his most recent special. So with that, I plead with you, pirate this album. Do not send him money. Do not give funds to a serial sexual abuser. Lastly, I want to issue a warning. We will be discussing CK's acts in more depth during the episode. This is an uncomfortable subject, and if you have faced similar trauma, I want to provide you a warning. Thank you for listening to this episode. We appreciate your understanding and discussing this sensitive topic, and we do our best to respect the victims of his heinous acts. Please let us know your thoughts on Louis C.K., the album Hilarious, and this podcast. Please stick around after the episode for a special announcement, and thank you. Welcome to Comedy Album Book Club. Right, 
so today we are talking about Louis C.K.'s Hilarious. Uh, I'm joined by my fellow Level 2 classmates from Second City's stand-up comedy program. We're just going to go around the room and I'll get everybody to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Kenzie Nelligan. Uh, Nomad through uh, Second City course uh, for stand-up, stand-up 2 with Todd Van Allen. I've uh, been doing stand-up for about a year and a half now. Grew up in London, moved to Kitchener, and uh, I've been uh, doing a little more seriously now in Toronto for the last six months or so. Cool. Uh, my name is Andy, Andy Wong. I've been doing stand-up uh, for a few months, but laughing all my life. <laughs> and we also did a uh, stand-up course together, and now we're all sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Rosemary, Rosemary Quinlan. I've been doing stand-up for... Um, about a year now, and uh, like uh, everyone else here, we all met uh, in Todd Van Allen's uh, Stand Up 2 class at Second City. Hey, I'm Justin Anthony. I've also met in the class, been doing stand up now for, I'd say, about four months now. And like a lot of people getting into stand up, had a quarter life crisis at my <laughs> desk job and thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd do something more interesting with my life. So here I am. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Kay. Um, Yes, I've been doing comedy uh, since 2016, although I'm not any funnier. <laughs> so uh, here goes. Uh, yeah, I met everyone at uh, Stand Up 2. Um, took a really long hiatus uh, from Stand Up. Uh, now I'm back. Excellent. All right, so um, I guess I'll go around the room the same direction. Uh, what are, I mean, Louis C.K. has done a lot over the last tw you know, 20 years. I mean, he you know got his start writing in the back rooms uh did a lot of uh late night shows uh as well as stand up and stuff what's uh what were your first exposures to louis ck uh i can't remember exactly but i've just always been like a, a pretty big louis ck fan i mean um less or so uh after recent activities um but um I've just kind of, I think probably around when this album came out was, was around when I would have um, started listening to him. And um, he puts out so much content that there's just been so many different things that I've seen from Louis C.K. that I don't know that I could really peg exactly what the first interaction I would have had mm -hmm. with him was. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been listening to him for, for quite a long time. Yeah, I would, I would say for me, I, I think like maybe 2010. Uh, when I just started doing my co-ops, uh, a lot of my co-workers were really into the stand-up scene, and they highly recommended him. Yeah, and for me, you know, again, I can't really pinpoint my first uh, time I, I listened to him, but just one of the uh, the names that you know, and uh, yeah, one of the bigger names in uh, in comedy. For me, it was around 2010 when I first went to university. I think like most people in my generation, it wasn't any particular special. It was just bored in my dorm clicking through youtube stomach upon clips and being like oh who the hell is this and and just thinking he was hilarious yeah um uh i guess uh, i i just saw lucy cancy on tv it's mm -hmm. not really uh um not really popular um, opinion but he, he was never really my favorite yeah. but um that's it. Cool. I mean, he's an, he's an interesting. Um, oh, sorry, it's like snorted for some reason. <laughs> that was weird. Um, I can take these off too. Jesus. Uh, that will be edited out. Uh, so no, yeah, you like keep that in. <laughs> okay. Makes it real. Makes it real. Yeah, because of similitude. Um, yeah, like with he's an interesting character because when he started, like 
if he was writing for TV, he'd still go out and do open mics and drop in sets all the time. And I mean, and that doesn't happen a lot. A lot of TV writers don't do that just because it's so you're you're working so much to then go out and be out until like two, three in the morning and then at your day job. Um, so like he's he's like a really super prolific uh, performer in so many levels. Um, so is is there a I guess I'll start with you, Kenzie. Like you chose this album. Is there a reason why you chose this specific album? Yeah. So this album has always been like one of my favorites, if not my favorite comedy album. Um, I've listened to it for, for years and years. Um, and I would say that Louis CK has actually been a comedy idol of mine. Um, I will circle back to that, but, um, (laughs) I, I respect, like you were saying, how prolific he is and just his work ethic. Like, he puts out a new hour pretty much year over year, which is – I've always respected the work ethic. And mm-hmm. I think that that's part of the reason why he's become – he became such a, a massive and successful comedian and was able to produce such good content. Um, of course, unfortunately, with the, the recent incident, uh, very disappointed. Like, it really – kind of hit me as somebody who was like one of my very favorite stand-up comedians to be such a disappointment yeah. uh, from his actions. That being said, this album, there are definitely parts of it where you kind of like it t- puts a new twinge on, on parts of it that are disturbing. Um, but there are parts of the album that I can still really get value from, uh, even from his perspective. Like a lot of the, a core element of this album is about people kind of checking their privilege um, in you know, modern Western society, like the, people complaining about cell phones and flying and uh, at the ATM having to select the language uh, and like complaining about people, uh, you know, from other countries answering your, your issues for your flight and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so I, th- I still think there's some really good core elements. And then more than anything, it just made me laugh a lot. And it's always been an album I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, okay. And to, to go, start going around again, like, um, this is your favorite work. Do any of you have a favorite Louis C.K. Per, you know, performance or production? I obviously like his stand-up was what really drew me into Louis C.K. to begin with. Like I, same thing. I just think before uh, the accusations about his sexual misconduct came out, he was by far. I thought one of the greatest comedians of all time, like on par mm-hmm. with like, you know, the Dave Chappelle's and the Chris Rocks of the world and stuff like that. Um, but what really put him over the top for me were some of his like television productions. Like Louis, I thought was on top of being hilarious. There was something really like human about it that I really liked. Yeah. It was uh, a very like empathetic show. I thought it had a lot to say about like the absurdity of the human experience that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that's what really for me made it, like, oh, he's not just, like, a funny stand-up comedian, which is, like, obviously to be a stand-up comedian takes a huge amount of work and talent, but also he took it to that next level of, like, you know, to – made him, like, almost, like, more of an artist yeah. in that way, you know? Um, so that was what originally – that's – Louis was, like, my favorite thing mm-hmm. that he did for that those reasons, I guess. But. Anyone else have a favorite – like, it's this album itself is interesting because this is kind of a pivot point in his career. It's right before Louis came out, which sort of got him his most critical successes after Lucky Louis, which was I'd say 
possibly a career low in a way <laughs> because I mean that's him getting the sit the the Jerry Seinfeld type sitcom, but it's like so undercutting everything in his work. Like is him selling out to get the regular paycheck, um, and I mean that he like this album there's. There's some language. Uh, yeah. there, there's yeah. some language there, and it's like, like, some points it feels feels like, if not earned, at least aimed the right way. Like he, when he drops the uh, f word during the the dating bit, where it's like the nine guys with the short guy in back, and like nothing's more dangerous than a guy who's not yeah. had sex. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, because he's not saying it targeting homosexuals he's saying it as these guys would say that because they're the kinds of people who would say that yeah word. it's like when he talks about the the chinese lady talking about the black person stealing or whatever he's like he's kind of wrapped it in another character yeah it's, 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 it's not that i think that that yeah. black people steal it's just this lady's racist kind uh-huh. of thing it's just like yeah I and mean, that's something i find interesting with his work is it's like very nuanced a lot of the times but then there's also times when it's just like out of left field so it's mm-hmm. like it it's feels like at times it's like oh when you stop to, like when you're caught up in the moment it's like it, it's like oh no it's fine it's fine but then when you like slow down it's like oh that's not earned he doesn't he, yeah <laughs> but so to, to jump in but no like, no that's yeah I, um yeah also like you have to have this part in there like is your style of podcast more like you ask a question and people have their turn to respond? No, no, just go ahead, jump, jump in. in. It's a conversation. Okay. Um, so when I was listening to this last night, I remember thinking, like, I remember listening the first time I listened to this album, and whenever he'd say, like, the F word like that, and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is so subversive. It's so funny because, like, clearly he doesn't mean it that way. And I still think, like, at that time, I don't know about now, apparently Louis C.K. has, like, gone to the dark side. Yeah. Um, but at that time, I think he definitely didn't mean it in a homophobic way. I no. think he meant it in a very subversive, like, I'm not supposed to say this kind of way. Um, I think now, I don't think even in that context, a straight guy could get away with saying that yeah, I on think stage. He's burnt that. At least, I don't think he did enough setup to, like, earn that on stage. Yeah, like, he had a cachet going into this that, like, most people don't. Like he's he's still, he was a known entity in the New York scene and everything. Like this is a friendly hometown audience that are going to know, Oh, they're, they're not going to need to do the math to know, Oh, this is what his intent is. And us coming to it in 2020 also know at this point, this is where he was aiming his Mm -hmm. jokes. So we've got a shorthand there that we don't necessarily need that context, but like a person who without that, that additional context is like, well, no, that's not cool. Like a lot of yeah, yeah. Well, and I find that edgy comedy in general does not age well. No, because we are just in general a more like a progressive society. So if you take like Eddie Murphy's Delirious, oh god, the beginning of that, it's like Eddie Murphy's Eddie Murphy uh, is against Eddie Murphy's Delirious. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Has like kind of said like I wouldn't do those jokes anymore. Yeah, he's apologized multiple times over the decades, and every time he's like, no, I'll apologize again. I was. I was a freaking idiot, kind of. Well, it's in the name, right? Because like at the time, it's edgy comedy, but like now the edge has progressed, and now that's just regressive comedy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now, um, one thing I think that helps him get away with this stuff is how he he uses self-deprecation to ingratiate himself to the audience. Um, like 
there's you, a, there's a there a moment in the the show where you felt like he kind of won you onto his side with that? Yeah, oh, for yeah. me, it's it's whenever he was like, I'm a, I'm a parent, and I'm trying to be a good parent. That for me is like, I'm like, okay, you you're not Holbert. He also has uh, his bit on uh, talking about uh, fucking the the bar stars uh, at the club, and then he draws yeah. into. I'm a dad. I've got two daughters, which is a big slap in the face now. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially given his last movie was all about like, yeah, yeah. It, it's weird. It's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> oh, this stuff doesn't age well, but we'll, we'll circle back to that. But yeah. yeah. I also love the sec- self-deprecation bit when he talks about the uh, 73 Dodge Dart in the back. Of yeah. The, the, oh, the, like, the bees in it. The bees the, in it. The, the family of mice in the yeah. tailpipe. There's bees in it. Just the way he says it. Uh, yeah. I, and I think I think for me it's like right off the top he's like I don't know how to start shows, where it's like this is sort of like him bringing himself down from the pedestal of comic to being like a it's tr- trying to buy into that truth teller yeah. motif that some comics do where it's like I'm not a comic I'm just a guy saying what's on my mind, and it's but he's also like then saying how stupid he is. Yeah. Like like a lot of times throughout the set, like I'm an idiot. I'm my own brain is angry at what my brain is thinking because my brain thinks my brain is a stupid idiot. Which is interesting because in later shows he does something that I think is like equally hilarious, which is kind of the exact opposite. I forget which special it is, mm-hmm. where he's just like, "Yeah, I was flying. Uh, I was flying first class because my life is different than yours. It's I have a better life than you now." Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he's just telling, he just plays with this whole thing of like, "I'm a famous stand-up comedian. I make a shit ton of money," and like. But then he brings it back down. I remember he's like, it's, I have like two more years of this, which at the time maybe was quite prophetic before, <laughs> yeah. like, before it comes back down. Yeah, yeah I just, I, I love how like he, um, he self-deprecates himself. Like, you know, he says like, I'm full of self-hatred and further analysis. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is a, it's an interesting take because that's like a kind of a, in like a signifier of depression. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Because it, which is very much tied in with a lot of, his material and also his personal life. It's about depression and, and that, that sort of cycle. Yes. And I love, you know, I really actually, um, really love how he like talks about like his low SES level growing up and like, you know, uh, SES as in like socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's like, uh, I'm not better. You know, when he's like talking about hitting kids. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm not better than my mom. It's just because she was poor and I'm not. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know that, that, yeah, like it, again, little... yeah, again, it goes back to his, like, checking of his own privilege, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, it's it's an interesting take. And that's, I think, where, like, I struggled with, like, his material is, like, on the surface, I'm like, it's not the kind of material I generally enjoy. Mm-hmm. But then the more I got to know him, in this early point, the more I got to appreciate it because it really did genuinely feel like somebody turning these tropes on their head like taking these like easy kinds of jokes and drilling down into something more that was there um is there a point for any of you that you felt he kind of went too far in in this show in this album like where it was like oh no that's a bit much fucking a dead kid weird i love that part (laughs) it's funny because that's like that's like the most i think the most honest moment of the entire album in a way because he's like i just want to make you squirm yeah and he does and it's like that's like that's an insight into louis that i don't even 
think he intended because this is like, like he wants to make people uncomfortable yeah. and that yeah. illuminates so much of his life. I think he's yeah. a, like just a masterful writer. And the fact that I think it was Todd from our class actually was talking about how um, a lot of comics, they try to like uses the reference of like that poisonous fish that uh, people Fuga? like dissect. What yeah. is it called? The Fuga. 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 Yeah. So you're trying to dissect that, but he, he finds a way like, so if, uh, to get edgy in a way that's like somewhat allowed, like with the, the dead kid one, he's like, oh, I'm just trying to say that to get you to squirm. The uh, the Chinese lady, he's like, oh, it's a Chinese lady's perspective. Or, yeah. you know. <laughs> and at the same time, he's like, I'm such an idiot because like my I think she talks in this ridiculous, like made yeah. up language. But that's what my head thinks. Yeah, he finds a way to like navigate so that he can kind of go edgier without it, without it almost being like genuinely coming from him. Yeah. Which I think is skilled writing. Now, like he, he seems to be punching up consistently, either by punching himself in the face or aiming at higher status individuals. Does that, like, setting us? We'll we'll touch on post revelations in a minute. So, just trying to think back to like a clean slate before you knew about that. Did it feel effective at that? Like, did it feel genuine when you were listening to it in that context? I mean, I was aware of, like, everything, like, when the news first came out. So, and this was my first time listening to a Louis C.K. album mm-hmm. since then. Uh, so, it was hard for me to listen to it without that, that in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, sorry, go ahead. Rosemary, you, because uh, you listened to it the first time since until today that you didn't weren't fully aware of, like. Yeah, yeah. So, what was your thoughts on it, like? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, when I uh, when I first listened to it, um, I didn't ha- know know or understand the full context. So mm-hmm. he did get uh, in my mind, get away with a lot more. Um, but now, uh, after having uh, the full story kind of under my uh, under my belt, um, yeah, I just uh, I, he can't pull off those uh, uh, masturbating jokes now in front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that. They're, they're... <laughs> Um, has anybody watched the the special of Hilarious, the HBO special? No, uh, not yet. So he acts out that entire thing, and it is huh. it is uncomfortable to watch because he's like they, making oh, faces. Yeah, it's on it's on Netflix now. Yeah, but it's it's like it's it's he's really leaning into that act out in a way that is like oh oh it's just like you're committing you're committing and at the time it's like oh that's that's funny but then like in retrospect i'm like oh no not cool you're, <laughs> you're really now. good at acting yeah. that out <laughs> yeah really you really realistic. seem to be yeah. like <laughs> relishing pretending to masturbate in front of a bunch of strangers so like okay so speaking of that for the audience who are not fully aware um i'm just gonna recap the, uh, we're going to take a bit of a pivot after this point. We're going to sort of talk in a slightly different context about his work. But for the audience who aren't aware, um, Louis C.K. does have a history of sexual misconduct with women, uh, and honestly straight-up assault. Uh, over the course of about 15, 20 years, he has had several incidences uh, that have been reported, uh, five in total, uh, as well as more 
um, who have not come forward, who continue to speak in the background. Um, in one instance, he invited two women to his room, uh, asked if he, it would be okay if he masturbated in front of them. They laughed, and uh, he then progressed to get undressed and began to masturbate. Uh, while on the phone with another comic who was inviting him to come to her show, he began masturbating uh, audibly, uh, so she was able to hear a comedian on a sitcom that he was on. Uh, ask, uh, was uh, He asked her if he could uh, masturbate in front of her to the point where the sitcom almost got canceled, but she just, uh, he didn't do it, and she was, didn't stop production because she wanted to be professional which she shouldn't have had to make that choice to begin with, but she was like, no, I don't want to stir the pot. So, uh, no, let's just keep going. Um, another employee during his time on the Chris Rock show, uh, he repeatedly harassed her until she consented. Um, and then he used his management team to silence and, and effectively hamper or end the careers of many of these women. Um, I mean, he does have an, uh, an unusual relationship with a lot of women and comics, uh, women comics, uh, like Sarah Silverman, for example, who in her memoir, Bedwetter, talks about when she was at a particular low, she would visit him, they, she, they would get undressed, throw their clothes off the balcony, and then take the elevator down to street level and just do that over and over again all night. Uh, she has said on she, that he on multiple occasions would say, I'm going to jack off in front of you and start. And she would react just because of the nature of the relationship. It was like a, like a brother sisterly kind of relationship where it was not, there wasn't a status differential that existed between him and, a, and most of these victims. Um, so she was like taking it in a different light. Uh, but this is something that has gone on for decades like de since very early in his career and probably continued well after the last of the those five individuals came forward um given this was right before like louis started do you think this was an attempt to maybe gaslight the public maybe like inure them to his sort of like oh i'm talking about jerking off i'm talking about this like many of these jokes reflect the kinds of things he's been accused of doing it's mm -hmm. like the behaviors and and the kinds of talk and 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 uh, power differentials that he, he's talking about in these jokes maybe not like knowingly like i don't think he was yeah. like writing his jokes as a way of like running defense intentionally to like enamor himself to like people in cases came out but yeah. subconsciously yeah Maybe. Well, yeah. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it was necessarily to like gaslight, but maybe it's just because that's kind of part of his personality, of part of who he is. Like that's what he was. Talking He's a pervert, about, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he ta he talks about that, that shame, and then in the set, he literally talks about like shame and self analysis. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And is very much shame of glaze. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is such. I mean, it's so gross, and now so much more potent. But it's such a good line. Mm -hmm. Like three layers of shame glaze. Like yeah. 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 So I'm like I want a donut, but like no, no, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? yeah. I like a bit of sh I like a shame glaze donut, please. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of uh, self hatred there too. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th I think he's like a really smart man, though. You know, he's. he's you know, it's it's evident in his writing and his delivery. And it's just such a shame. That, yeah. You know, that had to come out like that. Yeah. 
a lot of his, um, like I, so I mentioned Sarah Silverman, Janine Garofalo, um, is somebody it was one, not a lot of them have come forward to defend him, um, which I can understand. I mean, really they're not the victims. Um, so like, it's like people, people demand a response from famous people who know famous people who Mm -hmm. turned out to be Mm -hmm. creeps. If they're not actively supporting them, a lot of the times I kind of feel like that's their way. This like this is the victim's moment to speak. We don't need to pull in, you know, Patton Oswalt's opinion on Louis C.K. because they're buddies. And Patton wrote about how he gave him good advice at one point. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily know everything and, and it's like at the same token, if he's not actively advocating for him, um, you know Which kind of says yeah, like just right? he like just leave them alone and let the actual people involved speak. But then you've got people like Janine Garofalo who's like, oh, think of his children, you know, think of his. Oh, he should be allowed to perform. Think of his children, and it's like, you think there's like an element of denial by sort of like Hollywood with like be- because these were active rumors for years. It's not like these were unknown and just came out of nowhere. There was a a whisper campaign, much like Yangameshi. Where people were actively warning other women comedians to not go near him. Um, do, you, do you think there was kind of like a denial of people just like, oh, this kid, Louis is so enlightened, it can't be him. I can I can empathize with like, like because I imagine like in like in any workplace, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you become friends with these people, and like if any one of us turned had like a close friend and it turned out they had these horrible <clears throat> accusations, there'd be a part of you that wouldn't want to believe it, right? Um, and I think that's like a very natural instinct. So I can kind of empathize with that. I think where the whole Hollywood thing comes in and where that gets a bit more terrible is that there's that power aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. Abuse of power. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, and that's where they'll use that to that very understandable instinct to like not want to believe these like terrible things that you've heard about your friend. Um, and instead of like grappling that you turn it into just like using this to silence victims. Yeah. Like, like Janine Garofalo and Sarah Silverman would be peers. So they have a different relationship than any of his victims because they are all people who looked them up to, up to him Mm -hmm. as like a mentor figure or a literally a boss in one case, Mm -hmm. like literally their boss in the writing room. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like (sighs) for me, like, I find it like, I don't know. I'll hold on to this. I'll hold on. To this. I'll wait, I'll wait a second. Um, so like he has, and for me, the, what I find difficult is like, he said some truly profound and compassionate things over the years. Like he's, there's this one quote. The only time you look in your neighbor's bowl is to see if they have enough. You don't look in your neighbor's bowl to see if you have as much as them. Like this is a person who clearly thinks about compassion and humanity and like how can we how like listening to his material how do we reconcile those two voices like is this is it like a a like a schism kind of thing between his public persona and private especially when he does so much material that is so self-revelatory like it does that even make sense as a question i don't know i mean that's a deep topic that's almost like like, how do you, like, measure what a good person does when they do one bad thing? Or, like, a bad person when they do one good thing? Yeah. Right? 
I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. And I think there is, like, for, for me personally, I can still take value out of some of the things that he says. Like, what I was kind of mentioning, like, part of what I like about Hilarious is it, it does actually kind of get you to stop and go, I should check my kind of, my privilege. And yeah. That, like, I complain about my phone. And it's like, when he, when he puts it in that light, it's like, okay, you should maybe, like, reassess the way you're, you're looking at what you have. Um, so I think he can still be somebody who has had these like genuine thoughts or like mm. compassionate feelings. Um, yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, like there, there's just, it seems like there's a, this whole other dark side of his life. Um, but that for me doesn't necessarily destroy the other thoughts. Yeah. That someone has. It's, it's interesting yeah. because like he is like from a, from a tech is like him and David Chappelle are both, people who have problematic records or problematic lives, but you can't deny their masterful writing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like yeah. It, the, you know, like Chappelle's last few specials on Netflix, any of CK's work over yeah. the last 15 years. It's like, this is well-written except for Horace and Pete. I still don't fucking understand that show. <laughs> um, like Alan Alda is a racist. I mean, like, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, like he—he's just—he's considered and like he's just a considered in how he structures everything, which makes it weird as comeback to Earth that he's been doing. Like, it's it, like if you listen to this album, this is I think him at his best. Like it's insightful, it's hu- it's grounded, it's humane. He's targeting himself and his own failings, but then you look at like the stuff that leaked from his first few appearances when he's sort of doing like the circuit, the comeback circuit where he's making fun of like school shooting victims and making ethnic jokes and stuff. He's that's right. Yeah. No, I haven't heard any of it directly, but like I've heard like my friends have told me like, Oh, here are like the new EC. I've read about like stuff like that online where he like, yeah, he apparently was making fun of like the, um, those kids from that school in Florida. Uh, I, can't I can't remember yeah. like the stone something, something like that i don't yeah. know um those kids from that uh uh school in florida that was where there's a school shooting and they were like had that big uh campaign in the u.s to like uh have gun control and he like made fun of the stoneman douglas I think, yeah i think yeah. um <clears throat> amy was making fun of them like oh what well, just because like, you got shot at means i have to listen to you like trying to make this edgy stuff and it was just like it's just like angry yeah. I think what might have happened was that after he got accused, um, a certain more right wing crowd rallied around him yeah. and this that was his new audience. Yeah, and the irony yeah. being that audience is literally who he's making fun of in a big chunk of this album. Yeah. yeah. Like the like that yeah. fat people voice that he does where I'm like, ah, as a fat guy, eh, Louie, you may want to dial that back a bit, but I know where you're going with this. Um yeah, but it's it's like he's literally pandering to the people who ninety percent of his ninety nine percent of his career he was outright campaigning against, like literally hated, which is like gotta be weird. It's gotta be weird. Um, it, it's like yeah, I just find it. I was talking with another person about this, where it's like, has anybody watched the latest disease special? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's like an interesting study in how somebody who did something sleazy and wrong can come back because um, like, I mean, it's on a scale, like if you, you know, you can't really put these things on a scale, but 
like what he did was bad date, not listening to his partner, like Aziz and sorry, had a bad date, wasn't listening to his partner, had semi consensual sex ish kind of thing. Like he went too far, but it, it, that, but the person was just like, it was a bad date. Yeah. And he wasn't listening when I he didn't really get proper informed consent. But he, they're also like, no, he didn't like assault me or anything. It was just a shitty date. And Aziz, in his special, what he did was he addressed that at the top by saying like, the victim, I did wrong. And the victim is the person who, who's the only voice that matters in this. And there's nothing that I can do that can can write this, but try to be a better person. And then went back and re- reflected on all of his material to date. And he's like, holy shit, I've been a shitty person for years and I've not realized it to the point where he's like talking about this. He has this material that he does about his nephew where he essentially fat shames him in his old material. And do you think it's, that's genuine though? Or do you think that he does that to win people back? Win people back. I think it's genuine. Yeah. Like, because it, it would depend on the person like Aziz, has a consistency of character in all of his work, much like Louis, where there's a so awareness of the social ramifications of his actions. And since that, he's not like it's internally consistent. Like there's not a like what he's attacking, he doesn't attack like people are like, oh, he's attacking woke culture. Well, no, he wasn't. He was attacking faux woke culture. He was attacking people using woke culture as a tool to do that. But you're getting only half of the joke because he's workshopping it. So people like took it to be the worst. But when you see the finished product, it's like, Oh, this is good. And so it's like, it's a shame because you know, if anybody had a voice that could have possibly helped people understand like the kinds of like those sort of misanthropic Rick and Morty type people, you know, like people who are like, Oh, Dan Herman's a genius because he hates all humans and I'm smarter than everybody else. Like those kinds of fans who also they're on a Venn diagram, a lot of them fall into the like liking of Louis C.K. Yeah. Kind of period. Mm-hmm. He could have like he could have helped clarify that, like in this because he could have like helped them understand that. No, there's we're 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 we're, we're doing shit wrong and we need to be better. It mm-hmm. but it's like that's what I th- it's a shame. It's like I don't know. I might catch a lot of flack for this, but I just I think he wasted his voice and like a sad kind of desperation move to remain relevant. So he just shifted his audience. Yeah. I think, and going to the weeds here. So I think there is like a real conversation of like, what is to be done with people when they have, cause like my understanding with Louis CK with what happened with him was like, it was like um, the accusation brought a level where either the woman didn't want to press charges or it was past the statute of limitations where they could yeah i'm not sure um but also in those cases like obviously like i'm not one of those people where it's like oh you can't like cancel culture's gone too far like i do think like public shaming is a tool that can be used and yeah but like oh god I don't know if I want this. It's a fun here. little comedy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. Like, where's the jokes? Um, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. You're needy if you have to finish. I'm wondering whether 
Uh, no, nah, I, I can't finish this thought. Is it you, it, Justin? Is yeah. Um, I think maybe maybe not with regards to Louis C.K. specifically because I think what he did was very heinous and, and deserved canceling. Mm-hmm. But I guess in general, I think this is something I've noticed with not just Louis C.K. but like other comics who've been quote-unquote canceled because of things they've said. And I think with like a lot of big comics you see it in general, there's this like culture of like, oh, they're trying to stop us from like saying our edgy jokes and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, and uh, I think it's like, there needs to be some like recalibration of like how we as a culture like approach these things like but at the end of the day it's each kind of individual person's so if if somebody does something and then it's not like bill cosby that he's in jail yeah right like, like <laughs> yeah. he can find the, the can law find decided that. what's yeah. happening to him so if, if someone like louis ck doesn't get pressed into charges or and like doesn't go to the prison like he, ha- he can go out and write a new stand-up special and go perform. So I think it's each individual person's decision as to whether they are going to cancel cancel that person. I mean, he may not be able to get uh, specific sh- like shows set up or like he might not get movie contracts and that sort of right. stuff. But it still, at the end of the day, comes down to pe- a person or a group of people that decide whether they're going to boycott that person or not. So, so okay, if we can backtrack a bit, so do you mean like, Louis C.K. wasted his, his... I think he wasted an... I mean, I think it speaks to his mentality, th- though, as well. Like, he, okay. he he, as a person, wasted an opportunity to do something good, but I think he wasted it because he's a narcissist yes. and a misanthrope yeah. Yeah. who doesn't <laughs> understand that he did anything wrong. And yes. even though he admitted to sexually assaulting five people at least, uh, he he in his mind it doesn't click as anything wrong and especially when he's got people like hangers on saying oh well it's okay louis you know okay i see what you're saying yeah i mean like in a self-serving society then i mean i'm not saying it's right but it makes sense to to their audience right like if to to keep apologizing to your same audience knowing that you'll never recover is not is not how you optimize a self-serving act right you'd optimize it by doing something different and I, I totally agree with you, Matt. Like, he could, he had the opportunity, like you said, to connect with people who maybe he had a voice with and, like, like these, quote-unquote, Dan Dan Harmon folks, <laughs> if you want to call them that, um, to, like, kind of show them, I guess, um, the more a more genuine side of what's happening. But yeah. he kind of made, from his decision or his point of view, like, the best business move yeah. instead of taking an opportunity to, like, genuinely. Yeah. And I mean, the hard part is there's, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I haven't spent money to go in and see him perform. Like I didn't go to Yuck Yucks when he was in town, um, which is also one of the reasons why I have problems with Yuck Yucks. Uh, but <laughs> it was only $25. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's my, that's the thing I, I relish about this is like goes from selling out the Sony center or whatever it's fucking called this week to like Yuck Yucks. And twenty five bucks a ticket as opposed to one hundred and eighty bucks a ticket in a in a freaking huge. But I thing. guess that's what I was asking. Before, like that's me was trying to get it before. Is there a point at which like? So I think people were like protesting Yuck Yucks and they're trying to get him to like shut down the show, and like I didn't want to go to the Yuck Yuck show or anything because like yeah. I'm like also like fuck Louis C K and like what he did, 
But like, is there a point where it's just like, if you want to like go and like perform at Yuck Yucks, and there yeah. are people who want to pay and see it, like that's the harder question. Because I at mean, what point do we yeah. let people go back to work? That's the harder question. Like, I, I mean, it would depend. Like for me personally, watching Louis C.K., I think he would need to make an actual like he'd need to make a statement that's on right. the stage. Similar to that of Aziz made, but he's not. I don't think he's ever had like a mea culpa. Yeah, no. And I don't think we can stop him from performing, but it means I'm not going to give that venue my money. In support of that. In support of that. And I'm not going to give him my money. In fact, if you want to listen to this, if you haven't already done so, please pirate it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like I'm not going to, I'm going to avoid giving Yuck Yucks my money. I'm going to avoid giving... And and I know that, you know, if this ever surfaces and I'm trying to be a stand-up, that might have just simply end my opportunities with <laughs> the only real viable way to be a working comic in Canada. Um, but I'm just not going to give them. But that's a personal choice. You can't, like. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, when, when you say that, it's like, at what point as a society do we stop him from being able to form? I don't think that's really, like I was saying, it's each individual person's decision, right? Like, it was Mark Breslin who decided that he could perform at Yuck Yucks. It was people who went to that show who decided that they would pay for the tickets. Yeah. It's not like society flicks a switch and says you can or cannot do this. And yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. the thing that pisses me off is Breslin's reason was such bullshit. Um, like, what was his reason? Oh, he's part Jewish. I want to support another Jew in comedy. Really? That was his reason. And it's like, no, it's not a free speech thing. It's not a, a, just be honest, say he's going to bring tickets in. I'd respect that more. I'd respect honest greed more than cloaking it in free speech. And like, see also toward Israel and stuff. Yeah. Like this bullshit, like just, just be honest and I'll respect that more than, than like whatever faux reason he's coming up with. Um, so it had has these re- have these revelations. How have they changed our your relationships with his material? Um, so like yeah. I actually didn't know about his um, proclivities before coming here. Um, so during when we were listening to it together, um, I was looking up like exhibitionistic disorder on the APA, like all all these things to see mm-hmm. if I could find a profile on him. Uh, no, um, but yeah, it, it makes it sleazier. Like it, it, it does. I think it does change it. Um, like at least my perception of it. Mm. However, I, I do want to like ethnic minority report here. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, like I, th- I think Louis K is a fantastic writer. You know, he's a really great performer. Um, but I like to categorize men in: Would he rate me or not? <laughs> and definitely, Louis C.K. would definitely rate me. So, um, well, I would, I would feel that way when I see when I when I see him and the way he talks. Um, yeah. Not, you know, not to take away that you know he's talented or 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 to minimize sexual assault, but I'm not surprised, right? Yeah. So, like to me, um, uh, I just think it's actually very okay. This is very offsided. Um, I just think it's very interesting that he decided to go into the his proclivity avenue of just you know like the the exhibitionistic. Um, it's almost like he's trying to get free therapy. Yes, like yes, on stage. Yes, yes. Oh, a lot of people try and do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah every yeah, open yeah. mic we've been to Welcome can attest to, to that. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So it's just unfortunate he he you know that that's the avenue he went into, right? So, yeah. and then his yeah. So yes, it does change it. Um, mm-hmm. However, I I always did see it in that kind of a light anyway. Yeah. Um, hmm. that's, that's interesting. 
it's okay. So yeah. but I think it's just an ethnic minority report perspective here. <laughs> hmm. uh, anybody else? Like, uh, did your relationship change, Rosemary? Yeah, I mean, I uh, kind of uh, alluded to this earlier. Mm. Um, when I uh, when I first listened to it, I didn't have the, the full background, but um, yeah, totally, uh, completely less forgiving uh, when I hear him uh, talking about his, uh, you know, uh, uh, women jokes or masturbating yeah, jokes. It yeah. really uh, shines the light that there's... Um, Something There's funny, a personal right? story behind uh, behind yeah. uh, his writing there. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's just you know, I, and back to what you said, it's a, a waste of his voice. Yeah, I think so because like you know, he had really good things to say as like a male, you know, cisgender, you know, guy, you know, talking about, you know, he he could have spoke could have spoken to a wider audience, but yeah. then this happened, right? But clearly, that is the voice. Yeah, that actually, yeah, that actually is choosing to yeah to. Speak to now, yeah. I think in stand up, it's it, for me, it's 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 really difficult to separate the artist from the art because yeah. stand up yeah. is essentially the art of like telling the world, like observational stories or telling your stories or telling observational comedy, which is say, saying how you see things. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I still think I, I pull a lot of value out of a lot of his jokes. Like, if you were to look at hilarious, I'd say like. There's probably 30% of it that it's kind of like has that dark twinge on it where he's talking about uh, like the very last part taking the sexual inventory and like he talks about sh- like that moment when you pull out your your uh, dick and then the woman can't go back. It's like that's like, really dark yeah. now. <laughs> but then there's still other great stuff like the cell phones and flying. Oh, yeah. Which so is, good. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just a fantastic bit. Or like his Monopoly joke is like is world famous, not in this stand up, but yeah. There's, there's, I can still get value out of it, but yeah, for sure, there's some parts that I go back and go. Yeah. And, I mean, in terms of like separating like the, the art from the artist, right? I mean, a lot of stand-up comedians will be like, "Hey, everything I'm saying on stage is a joke. It's not meant as a reflection of my true opinions. I'm here to just make you laugh," which is what I thought until I re-listened to this. Right, because it is a little bit on a nose. If, if if he were to come out and be like, "No, these were just jokes," I'd be like, "No." No, not. but behind every joke, there's a story. There's a direct reason yeah. to why yeah. you are writing and like saying why you're every joke. That behind pit. every joke, there's yeah. a message, right? Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, no, I think I'd agree. I think like um, with kind of what Kenzie was saying, I think there's still a good chunk of the special that, um, I would still find funny, like his story about like taking his daughter out to see the ponies is still like mm-hmm. like his jokes like that i still to this day find super funny yeah, yeah. like that, that that entire bit that like the italian it's like his so italian funny oh, dude uh, i'm yeah. italian and i'm a pony it's like the end <laughs> yeah it's the perfect thing there because it's not just like it's a po- an italian pony it's italian and a pony and a pony <laughs> and it's like dude you know look at me <laughs> yeah it's just perfect um but I think, like, just knowing what I know about him, like, it just makes it difficult for me to, like, even go back and, like, look up, like, l- those, like, clips about, like, yeah. the non-sexualated jokes. It's just, like, I yeah, like in other I look up Louis C.K. about my history. I can't have that. Like, <laughs> it's weird because, like, in other forms of art, it's easier to draw that distinction between artist and art. Like, yeah. like Joker, the movie Joker. I really dislike the director of that movie because he's just such a, a dick. Uh, but, and, and he said some really annoying and toxic shit around that movie, but 
it's not like he's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing this end product. The cinematography is beautiful. The performances with the clunky dialogue, they're still beautiful performances. I can get pleasure from that because there's a distance. But with like stand up comedy, it's like that relationship is so much more present. So yeah. So it's like yeah, you're going like, oh, this is funny, this is funny, and then he's like, ooh, they'll do that like bit where it's like, you know acting out masturbating on stage and and it's like yeah so it's like a much more present thing so it's an interesting genre of comedy that i think faces challenges that no other form of art well i think it's what, like kenji was saying right i think with yeah. most other forms of art it's like there's the art in one room and then the artist can be in another and there's even like with other right? like yeah. performative kinds of art like say like for example in music like even though r kelly is like accused of like very heinous sexual misconduct and like kidnapping people and having these like weird sex cults and stuff like terrifying stuff um there's just less of that culture of like yeah like I think it's easier are, for I mean, people to like throw on ignition remix and like groove to that than i mean it was literally impossible them. to listen to any band from the 70s or singer from the 70s and they're not be like a 15 year old groupie that they mm-hmm. slept with or a song yeah. about 15 year olds that they sleep with or they, that they slept with that they wrote and is one of their biggest hits or you know it's like oh jesus like even david bowie i'm like oh david yeah. like do you listen to michael jackson stuff still yeah i, I that is a, a bone of contention in this house i do not okay uh, i do not because that was just like the line too far for me yeah and but you know my partner she's like i I won't give him money, but I've got it. I'm yeah. still going to throw it on. I can't not listen to Thriller. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. That's the conversation we had. It's like, it's Thriller. It's it's one of the best fucking albums of all time. I'm like, yeah. So I, I, that's my struggle. I have a hard time separating artist and art. And I don't think it's the same battle for everybody. So I don't resent it when people are not necessarily challenged in the same way that I am. Because we all process art differently. Well, yeah, I was even like nervous about doing this and being like Louis C.K. This is the album I'm choosing because I think he's hilarious. It doesn't not at all mean that I condone what he did. I think yeah, it's horrible yeah, what yeah. he did. And yeah. that's that's a conversation I have a lot. Like I'll say something's problematic, and then people are like, "Oh, how dare you cancel?" I'm not. I'm. I didn't say something should be canceled. Problematic means there's a problem with it, which means you need to discuss that mm-hmm. and contextualize yeah. that problem. And like the, the the assumptions so many people have. With around problematic material or problematic performers, is you're saying they assume you're saying they do not their content n- now holds no value, and that's not necessarily you, you true. reject yes, or exactly. accept everything yeah. about yeah yeah it's like a binary right? equation for them but yeah. it's not it's a grad- a gradation it's like there are some amazing fucking jokes in this album yes I completely agree yeah like it's Louis not dichotomous right? yeah yeah are not good or bad I'm so glad you chose this because it like you know. There's, there's no progression or, like, interest if it's just a room full of nodding heads, right? Like, oh, yeah, he's good. And yeah. th- that's it, right? And there's no controversy. Yeah. So, like... like think, and it just yeah. it shows that you can like his work yes. while not liking him. him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we mm-hmm. all enjoyed moments of this album, but none of them would like him as a human being yeah. at this point <laughs> in our lives. And I think yeah. in general, like, we got to stop pegging people's politics based on what media they consume. I think that's something that happens a lot. And yeah. It's like basically a different way of expressing the same thing. Like just because you like X, Y, Z 
like TV show, movie, and musician yeah. means you're like this kind of person, well, yeah. or like, culturally, or kind yeah. of thing, right? Like, like I made a joke about Rick and Morty earlier because I love Rick, I and, love Morty. Rick and Morty, yeah. but I it's like I, it's like one of those things where it's like you go on the Reddit and look at the Rick and Morty subreddit, and it's like I can't believe I share a fandom with these freaking nuts. Where they're like storming McDonald's and like throwing things because there's no Szechuan sauce. It's, <laughs> uh, it, it's like, yeah, it, it like just because you, like you're saying, like just because we like something, doesn't necessarily indicate the kind of person we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there's nuance there. There's a conversation app. Like we don't have conversations about our content that we consume anymore. It, or at least it feels like that. Like you can't like death of the author, non literary thing. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Does anybody is there anybody who they feel is a protege of Louis C.K. and out there right now? In terms of like comedic ability, uh, comedic ability, or just like comedians Content. using in that sort of like, um, sort of self-revelatory manner. I'll leave like for Pete Holmes, for example. I think in a way comes from this same school of thought because there are no secrets between you and Pete Holmes when he is on the stage. Like his podcast is "You Made It Weird" for a reason. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anyone compare Louis C.K. and <laughs> they're stylistically different, but I think the underlying honesty, regardless of how uncomfortable that makes every party in the room, is there. Like Louis C.K. will say the deepest, darkest truths in his mind in his set, and often that's like some sort of societal level revelation. Whereas Pete Holmes is like, we'll say the deepest, darkest secrets in his set, but usually it's about how he did something incredibly awkward that made everybody feel uncomfortable. And whoa, I'm a weird man. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, that's just sort of how I, I take it. Yeah. And I do, I do wonder too, like I, Pete Holmes, I would fully agree. Like, I feel like I've really got a lot of insights into his life. And I actually, I listened to his podcast with a friend of mine. And it's like, we, we always kind of joke about if we met him, it'd be really uncomfortable to like have a conversation with them to show how much we know about him. Like, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that uh, Thursday in February when you're doing this or, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, I, I can kind of see what you're saying and very stylistically different, but I guess really doesn't leave anything on the table, like really will express anything, which I know I was reading in an interview that. Uh, Louis C.K. kind of pulled that from uh, inspiration from George Carlin. Yeah, that they just they there's nothing that they will hold back. Yeah, there's a definite through line from from Lenny Bruce to oh, shit. I am forgetting his name. Well, it, Lenny Bruce to Carlin to there's a definite Carlin voice in here where like the seven words that you can't say on television kind of thing where it's like speaking in a way that is just so true. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Anybody else have any ideas of who proteges would be? Proteges are people carrying on that sort of like, like sort of brutal honesty in comedy. Maybe, uh, maybe Whitney Cummings. And yeah, like she'll she'll like really go in depth about like. It's it seems to be a lot about like her view maybe of like men, but. Uh, says or, or actually Nanette maybe Nanette would be uh Hannah, Gad- Hannah Gadsby and that yeah. like she really it's it's a completely different style but it's very 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 honest yeah. shockingly honest yeah I, I can see both of those sort of yeah. coming from a similar 
similar goal of a different angle of yeah. attack on the on the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, last question. Um, do you think this is an album people should listen to and that is historically relevant? And we'll actually go backwards around the room and we'll end with Kenzie. Uh, so do you have a... You, Christine? Uh, so the question is, do you think um, this album is historically relevant? It's this is something people should listen to and that it's gonna is like historically relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I definitely think so. Like it, it's because um, like like I said earlier, like, you know, people are not dichotomous. They're neither black nor white. I think I would just categorize people when like revelations come out like this as like pre and post. Mm-hmm. Right. So like pre and post. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think there's like some really great. Know really great writing in there and um, uh, relevant, yeah, because it, it it stamps the time that he uh, like like his jokes about like girls gone wild, like yeah. it, it, it it's very indicative. You know, people's jokes are indicative of the time that they lived and who they were or are. No, so. that was a dated joke. At the, <laughs> even, <laughs> even in twenty ten, it's like yeah. you're buying your porn yeah, on DVD. Two thousand ten, like. <laughs> Pornhub HD was a thing in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so. Sure yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, for me, yes, I, I, I think it is relevant because I think you can, you just need to compartmentalize and, and parse out what is good and what isn't. Yeah. So, that, that's me. Um, yeah, and I think in terms of like trying to draw, paint a picture of Louis C.K.'s career, I think it's a historically important album to listen to for similar reasons i think it stamps a point in his career before he really took off Mm -hmm. um and then i think the next one if we're gonna if i can cheat and add another one uh (laughs) it's like right before the fall that would be 2017 on netflix i think was like the last big one before or around when these revelations came it was out. almost like simultaneous with exactly. the revelations coming out so i th- i think there i think it was actually like right on top of each other yeah i think it's uh, like i think the article was triggered by the special coming out people are like we can't be we can't just pretend this isn't happening yeah so i think yeah for one of the biggest comedians of like the 2010s for yeah. sure i think it's historically important cool yeah, I mean, um, I think it's uh, it's worth giving a listen to. Uh, the the writing in it is is brilliant. Um, he has some totally you know relevant for the times uh, little bits like the bit on um, on the plane when uh, yeah. when Wi Fi was just coming out. <laughs> yes. uh, the the bit on bringing everyone back to the to the landline and dialing the zero. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some some great writing and relevant. Content. His old man comedy really resonates with me, given that like every set I've done so far has been about when I was young we went to the forest to find our porn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I, I mean I think it's it's worth a listen, um, especially in hindsight, knowing what we know now. It it definitely does give it a different flavor, um, and just to see how I mean there's there's content in here I think that will be always relevant. Like we are the worst people with our modern tech yes we yeah. i mean here's the thing that's like by definition we will always be the worst people with our modern tech because you can't give our modern tech to anyone else right yeah so I, I think that the way he plays around with that is worth a listen to and the way he can make like a very simple premise that's mm-hmm. not even joke funny like we were talking about this earlier there, there's a whole <laughs> bit on on the old man getting into a plane 
And yes. the whole joke there is just he's very old. Like I have said the joke and it's not funny, but he <laughs> yeah. makes it funny. Yeah. So I, I think that's worth. Like it's his being able to draw out these little details. And again, it's like his his his, his body in the car, like yeah. the bees. The bees are what make that joke funny. Without the bees, that joke would just be it'd be okay. But that just brings escalate because he's like has he knows when to pepper it. Yeah. so perfectly or uh like when he uh when he brings up the when he's describing the old man uh brings up the nosferatu reference. yes yeah, yeah, the nosferatu yeah, yeah. claws okay. and the egg head it paints it paints a beautiful picture <coughs> yeah. yeah the way he's visual visual and descriptive it's really good yeah uh in terms of it being historical i think uh probably not um mm-hmm. i'd like this album not because it has like any specific like amazing underlying theory that you want to pull and apply to your own life i just like this album for the same reason i like comedy is just because it made me laugh (laughs) sometimes you want like it made me laugh maybe harder than any other album ever has and that's why i enjoy comedy um i do think there are some things that you pull out of it like um not taking modern technology for granted but i mean i don't know that this album is going to be something that a hundred years from now i think people should have had to listen to um or like you know um I don't, I don't even know if it'll be that relevant, um, you know, historically. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I just like it. Like, to me, comedy doesn't always have to be about a, a deeper meaning. Just make me laugh. Yeah. I mean, I, like, personally, I think I, I agree. I don't think it's necessarily going to be historically important in the way of, you know, I don't know, like Bob Newhart's, you know, button-down mind of Bob Newhart kind of thing, where it's like, creating a like helping create the genre of the comedy album or Lenny Bruce and all of his work but I do think it's a brilliant example of listening to good writing yeah Yeah. like Mm -hmm. knowing exactly how to punch up at the right like punch up a joke uh and like adding the right little elements to make it just that much more funny Mm -hmm. um so like as a as a primer I think it'd be it's a good listen kind of thing and and i and like justin said like i think it's an interesting like if you were studying louis ck it would be an important one to listen to because it marks a yeah. point in his career where like right before he blew up in the grand scheme of stand-up comedy yeah i don't know if it's yeah it's an it's an it's an okay album it's got yeah. great writing from a man who worked really hard like he paid his dues as a comedian and it's like it's it can show. I think it's a good example of showing you how all of that hard work can pay off when it comes to writing your new material, in that it hones that capability. But yeah, I mean, if you weren't a Louis C.K. fan, I don't think you know. If you could do without it, I think mm-hmm. do without it. If you are a Louis C.K. fan, pirate it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah all right well that's that's it thank you everybody for joining me uh, uh to talk about this album and uh yeah thank you so much for having us hey uh i i wanted to thank you for joining me on this journey uh it's been 50 episodes and uh two and a half almost three years um before we entered this really confusing and stressful time in in quarantine and lockdown uh, i was on the brink of making some changes to the podcast jason retired uh, and uh, i've been playing with the format a bit 
uh, whenever we get together and chat with comedians, uh, invariably I buy some pizza so we can have something to eat and listen to these albums and, and while we laugh. It was my personal comedy pizza party. So after a while, uh, the nickname stuck. In that vein, starting uh, in June, we are going to try to have two episodes a month, uh, the Comedy Pizza Party panel show and a Comedy Album Book Club interview show. In addition to this tweak to the name, we're also going to reconsider what qualifies for discussion. Up until now, we've only been talking about albums, but we've got a hundred years of comedy, film, cinema, high art, low art, television, uh, specials, albums, books. These are all things that, that people drew inspiration from. Uh, so we're going to be throwing that open to, to our guests to choose whatever comedy inspiration helped them become the comedians that they were and inspired them to be better comedians. Uh, as such, uh, join us next month in June uh, for a comedy pizza party panel with the sketch troupe Big Chick Energy, where we will be discussing Ali Wong's Baby Cobra. Thanks, and here's looking forward to 50 more episodes. At Sleep Outfitters Outlet, great sleep is a big deal. Save 40 to 60% every day on every Sealy, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic. Queens as low as $249. Customer exchanges, closeouts, and floor samples. Inventory changes daily, so come in for your dream deal today. With no credit needed financing, expert advice, and up to 60% off retail, it's never been easier to get the sleep and savings you deserve. Go to sleepoutfittersoutlet.com for financing details and to find a store near you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.